want to um, just encourage you, take about 60 seconds and uh, encourage somebody around you, tell them how good it is to see them. And while you're doing that, I'm going to greet our online folks with a, uh, so that we're interacting that way. So go ahead, take 60 seconds and just bless somebody. And welcome to our Destiny Table New York. So glad you are online with us today. I also want to say a special welcome to Cody and Leah um, that are online with us this morning. Bless you guys. And look forward to all the Lord's going to do this morning as we come together, just asking the Holy Spirit to have his way in all of our, our lives, just releasing something of God's presence even to you right now in your homes, in your bedrooms, or wherever you may be. God bless you. Knock it off. <laughs> Bunch of happy, friendly nonsense. Praise the Lord. Man, is it good to see you. Uh, um, I want to just encourage you in a couple things that... As we get started, there's something I just feel the Lord's going to awake and deep within us uh, today. I'm very much looking forward to just digging into the Word together. I do want to mention something to you. Uh, first, from the standpoint of, you know, I think about how lost I was when I came to know the Lord. How many of you were like in utter chaos when you came to know Christ? <laughs> Thank God he met us where we were. Aren't you glad he's a God who meets us where we are? Like, he doesn't say, this is where I am, you have to come to me. Like, he comes down, lives in the earth, like is born in a stable, comes among us, dies on a cross, and says, this is the way. I want you to show the way to God. I want to show you the way to God, and it's through the cross of Jesus Christ. He always meets us right where we are, and I'm so grateful for that. So what we want to do as the body of Christ is learn to meet people right where they are. It's funny, we've had people, uh, we had a, a one time a, a young lady, her, a co-worker invited her to our church and to prove to her co-worker how judgmental religious people are, she showed up in highly inappropriate uh, outfit and um, came walking through the, the door. And I happened to be standing at the door in that particular instance uh, along with the greeters and as soon as I uh, saw her, I just walked over and, and asked, hey, I'm Lawrence. What's your name? Where are you from? How'd you get here? Uh, and again, she was dressed in a little bit of an immodest fashion. I said, maybe I could introduce you to my wife, making sure she knew I wasn't hitting on her. And so, you know, just a little, <laughs> just a little chit chat. And I said, uh, I said, if you're not here with anybody, why don't you join me and my wife and sit up front? And, and I wasn't doing it to be, um, you know, to make a point. Like, I was really genuinely wanting to just try and meet somebody where they were. And I didn't want to hide her in the back. Um, I thought it might be good if we just kind of, you know, embrace her. And, and it rocked her world. Like, she went home, she went back to work, and she told 
uh, her coworker, I'm really not interested in going to your church, but if I wanted to go to church, that's the kind of church I'd want to go to. And I just want to say thank you, because this church family is that. I think people come here and they just feel loved and embraced, and, and, and we're don't, we don't ask them to change. Oh, you know, God doesn't want you to change to come to him. He just wants you to come to him, and then he does the changing. Otherwise, it's a religious development that you're putting on this nonsense. We don't want that. You're going to confuse all of us if you start doing that. Just be you. Uh, and allow Jesus to be Jesus. And man, it'll change everything about your life. Um, so I thank God for that. And, and with that in mind, what we want to do is reach our community right where they are. And so we do a lot of different things to do that. Just as expressions of love and relationship. And I want to make sure everybody's fully aware uh, that on the last Sunday of October. It's October now, isn't it? Yeah. The last Sunday of this month. Uh, we are going to do something we call Fun Fest. And um, we do that in just as an expression to our community where we're going to have cars lined out here with trunks open with uh, candy in it. And people in the community are going to get dressed up and they're going to show up. And we'll do trunk or treat over here. We're going to have, I'm talking out of the side of my mouth here because I haven't been in the planning meetings, but we're going to have some really cool stuff going on, okay? Some blow-ups. Last year, we did a mechanical bull, and Tracy ran the bull for me to be on it, and that is not God's will to ever happen again. <laughs> but that did take place uh, last year. I'm not a cowboy, <laughs> but, um, but I try. <laughs> and so anyway, we're going to have a great time that night, and we need help. We need assistance to make that happen. So uh, you don't have to show up and work the whole night. I mean, it's like a five to eight event on that Sunday night, October 30th. But what you could do is like volunteer for the first half and spend the second half with your family or spend the first half with your family and volunteer second half. Or if you, you know, or if you want to do the whole three hours, you can. But, but connect card, if you can help us, we need people to help with trunks and we need people just to help serve, you know, and, the, and just love on people. It's easy to love on folks when you just have a heart that the Lord's done a work in. So take a Connect card. If you're online and going to be able to be here, you can fill out that online by, yeah, by texting Destiny to that number on the screen. Man, I'm out of practice, but you all are on it. <laughs> uh, and so drop this in our giving station, and, um, and we'll follow up with you about how you can be involved, and uh, it'll be a great time, wonderful time. I, I want to just take a moment to celebrate something, too. Um, I was challenged... I was challenged on so many levels over these past few weeks, uh, just in the different forums and people that I met. And one of the statements somebody made, one of the other speakers at a conference, he said, uh, we're followers of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, say amen. amen. We're followers of Christ. When you follow somebody, then you're kind of following in their footsteps, right? And so if you follow the footsteps of Christ, you find him with broken, hurting people. Yet most of our footsteps don't go there. So I'm not trying to make a, you know, grievous statement, but I am wanting to issue, let's think about that for a moment, um, because our lives should be constantly caring for the needs of those around us. And there are those around us that are some of the most at-risk people in society that we're probably never going to be really closely connected to. I doubt many people in the room, some of you will, but I doubt many people in the room are going to be involved in DHS, uh, you know, working with families, some of the most at-risk children, have no parents, uh, in the foster system, trying to, you know, find places of adoption. I mean, all those types of things that happen. But I just want you to know, we as a family 
are making a difference like that in our community. And uh, right before I left for England, I, w- I was invited to this lunch meeting, and we were, we were uh, appreciated as a church, and so I want to reflect that to you. We've been appreciated as a church family for the mark that we have made and the difference that we have made uh, in, in the lives of these at-risk families, at-risk children specifically, and they named us in the top 10 contributors um, in our local community to making a difference in the foster care system. Now that's huge, but what was even more incredible was they started naming them. Number 10, number nine, number eight, number seven. We were number one. Like we're the top contributor in this, in our society. And I know uh, we have to be careful not to get prideful whenever somebody tells us something like, we're number one, baby. We're like, Jesus, now, just look at me. You know, that's not, that's not right. Uh, we want to stay in a posture of just saying, we only have what the Lord's given us because he's given it to us, and we want to keep giving that away and being faithful with the Lord. And, and uh, Dana Davis asked me not to mention that she's the regional manager for Care Portal, so I won't mention that Dana Davis is the regional <laughs> manager for Care Portal, but I'm telling you, it is, she has done a smash-up job. She's, she's back in the... the tech room, and I just say we thank you. She's working right now probably with our online folks, and I'm just thankful for this amazing church family that makes an amazing difference in the world in which we live. Now, I want to just tell you something with all that said. I want to ask you to be faithful in your giving, and you don't even normally hear me take this tone, do you? Like, usually giving is a mention. We don't pass buckets, and they're giving stations, and But the reason I want to just bring this out is I just felt this morning the Lord was just reminding me. We don't give so that those good things can happen. And if we're not careful, then we start presenting the idea of giving as give so these good things can happen. Because I can kind of get you wrapped up maybe in the emotion of a few of those stories and really get you to give. I'm really not interested in that. That's more organizational building. And, And that's really not what the Lord wants to do in his church. You know how this thing works? It's beautiful. We want to break materialism off of our own lives. And so we honor the Lord every time we increase with this tithe that breaks materialism off of our own lives. And it's an expression of worship to the Lord our God because we love him. That's why we give. That's the pursuit is to know the Lord more intimately. The result is the kingdom of God shows up in the earth in all kinds of ways. And it's a beautiful thing. So I would encourage you, explore and discover the joy of giving as an expression of worship in your life. Ah, Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, the presence of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that today you've prepared a feast. And we've come together to gather at the table of the Lord as a family to enjoy this feast. Not not so that we have a feast and it's over, but so that we learn to feast in the way we walk with you. And tomorrow morning as we wake, we recognize you've prepared a table for us once again. When we face adversarial circumstances, we learn he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You want us to learn to live in such a way that we're constantly at the table of the Lord, communing with God, having revelation awakened within our lives, 
enlarging us beyond our circumstances <laughs> to be the sons and daughters of God that you have called us to become. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So I want to uh, just walk through three weeks. You know, the 2022 New Year's revelation for us, not just a resolution, a revelation. What's the Lord want to do in this season? Is everyone is created for abundant life. You really are designed by God to live what is called abundant life. Now, I know, uh, again, religious church of our day has hijacked the term abundance, provision, you know, all that. And so, so let's make sure we understand clarity of definition as I start talking about this so we're all on the same page. God wants your life to be awesome. I promise you that's true. He wants your life to be awesome. That is an absolute truth. God delights in the prosperity of his servant. The Bible says that. He wants your life to be awesome. But that truth comes with the trick. God does not want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself. God wants you to provide an awesome life for others, and that's what will make your life awesome. Everyone is created to understand this, to learn to live selfless, sacrificial lives that actually look to the cross of Jesus Christ as our way of living life. And out of that, so much is born. And um, so what I, I felt like the Lord was saying to me just in prayer of how to come back. And, you know, I'm still in reentry mode. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm still a little off, but I mean, you might have argued that I've been that way, you know, since, since we've known each other. Um, but in preparation for this reentry, I felt like the Lord was saying he wanted us just to walk through three weeks together of understanding the progression of giant killers. Because you are, whether you understand it or not, you are the giant killers of this generation. You need to understand this. In the Bible, we find giant killers in the Old Testament. They were those that were going out and taking possession of the land. And the promise of God was being uh, released within their reach as they walked out in a posture and a place of obedience to the Lord. But they had to understand who they were. So what we're going to do today, we're going to look at giant killers in Egypt. Because the Israelites had gotten into a place of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And how many of you know, when you give yourself to the wrong things in your life, you're going to find all kinds of um, enslaving passions and desires that are going to take control of your life. We're breaking that today in Jesus' mighty name. So we're going to look at giant killers in Egypt. And then next week, we're going to look at giant killers in the wilderness. And what was taking place with these giant killers who still didn't know who they were. They were, they were free from Egypt, but they were wandering around aimlessly, lacking purpose. And in the third week, we're going to look at giant killers in the promised land. And um, I just, we don't, we, we discern seasons now more than we do series. We used to be real cool and clever about packaging everything, you know, and that's the way we're going to grow the church. And it was just so nonsense in our, what, what was happening in our hearts. And, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, bag on anything and, and people got to find their way. But what we're trying to do is just say, Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us? And then uh, out of that, I felt, okay, we're to discern seasons more than we're going to go into series. But then as soon as you figure that out, then the Lord says, I want you to do three weeks. And it's just like, Lord, you're messing with me here. But we're just going to do what he's asking us to do and um, as best we can. We'll get most of it right, but we'll get some of it wrong. And that's just kind of the way it is. We're all on a journey trying to find our way. Welcome to the real deal gospel of Jesus Christ who reaches right into our authenticity and even uses our mistakes for his glory. It's a beautiful, beautiful reality. So the greatest tragedy of indifference in your life. 
The greatest tragedy of indifference is the life you never live and the difference you never make in the lives of other people. That is the greatest tragedy of indifference. I am speaking today to some giant killers who are dwelling in Egypt. Not everybody's in Egypt. Maybe not most people are in Egypt. But I am speaking today to some people that are giant killers who are in the confines of Egypt. And in fact, what I would suggest is all of us to some degree have the world system tampering with our way of thinking and we have these Egyptian tendencies that we read about in the Old Testament where the Israelites were in the bondage of Egypt and when they're about to come out, there are these ways of thinking that they began to embrace and even when they came out, they were still dealing with and contending with some of the Egyptian ways, even in the way they worshiped. That's why they made a golden calf. They were allowing the way of thinking of the former structure of life to actually awaken within their hearts, formulate and express something that would be the conclusion of their worship and it was not pleasing to the Lord. And so God is wanting to reach into us today and I believe really stir something profound and significant. So let me just say it again as we talk today about giant killers in Egypt. We are the giant killers of this generation. We are the giant killers of this generation. Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. We are the giant killers of this generation. And you need to understand there are giants to be slain in the day in which we live. Let's be clear, our battle's not against flesh and blood. We're not talking about, you know, a bloody war. We're talking about a spiritual battle. And there are giants, there are giants that you are called to face. And if you do not face and slay that giant, it will live beyond you to torment your children. If we just say, you know, it's, I, I've, I've gone far enough, I've done well enough, I, I'm going to leave that alone, that area of my life, it still needs a lot of work, but you know, can't be perfect. I mean, you can excuse it any way you want, but I'm just telling you, every enemy you don't defeat will torment the kids that come along after you, and I'm not just talking about the natural kids. I'm talking about the next generation church. I promise you this, uh, we're not going to tolerate, and when I say we, our elders, our, our team, our leaders, our staff, we are not going to tolerate the previous mindset of church that focuses on building profile, developing reputation, setting a brand, getting everything going just the way we can so that we can be known. That mindset has to be dealt with in the body of Christ because if we don't deal with that, then yes, we love Jesus, but we love a bunch of other things too, and we're passing that on to the next generation church and it creates this disillusionment and discouragement and despondency to the Lord our God and the Lord wants to take control of this area of our lives where he actually has our heart. God wants your heart. Nobody in the room would likely deny Christ. Can I get a witness on that? Like, we wouldn't deny Christ, but we dethrone him every single day when we allow something else to be at the center of our lives. And so the Lord just wants to be Lord. We are the giant killers of our generation. We put our focus and attention on the Lord our God, and we learn to live free from the attachments, uh, the attachments and the entanglements of the world around us. I refuse to allow the world system to teach me the way to think. I want to look to the Word of God and allow that to be my mindset. 
Come on, let's all, let's join together and agree for that. The Word of God reveals the thoughts of God, and we need that. So the giant killers in Egypt, as we take a look at them today, these are the giant killers in Egypt who had forgotten who they were. They forgot who they were. You know that a lion is ferocious. It's not a lion for, like, you don't mess with a lion. You don't get near a lion. You stay away from a lion. But if you take that ferocious animal of a lion and you cage that lion, you put that animal in a cage and contain it long enough, that lion will forget who it truly is. Believers that are confined by these enslaving circumstances long enough can forget who we truly are. That's why I love that song we were singing about our identity in him. You've got to know who you are. When you know who you are, the devil can't talk you out of that. When you know who you are, temptation, drugs, porn, whatever it may be, it's not going to dissuade you from the certainty of your identity that's discovered in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this, the, the want in our life takes us. I want to be successful. I want to be fulfilled. I want to have a sexual gratification. I want to have more money. I want, I want, I want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So dealing with these wants is not trying not to want them. It's actually getting your want right. When you get your want right with the Lord your God, then that, that actually then begins to consume your desires. And you, it, it's kind of like Tracy and, and our relationship and our marriage. I don't have to, to work at, at not being involved with other women. I just simply need to be really affectionately involved with my wife. And once I'm really involved with her and connecting with her and our relationship is what our relationship is supposed to be from God, then there's no issue of other, you know, entanglements or detachments. I'm not looking at my wife and looking at other women and looking at my wife and looking at other women because she has my heart and I've given myself to the Lord and his desires for our marriage relationship. And here we are, the bride of Christ. And our loving Savior, and there's a real reality in this, when the enemy comes and he tries to whisper something in your ear. I promise you, if some chump guy comes and starts trying to uh, mess with my wife, number one, I do have conceal and carry, just make sure we get that out there. <laughs> I mean that in the most loving possible way. <laughs> That does not go over well in England, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> not at all. If any of our British friends are watching online, I'm sorry. We love you. Pip-pip, cheerio. So, if anybody comes and starts trying to whisper in her ear and get her attention, all she has to do is say something to this effect. I just love my husband so much. He's the kind of guy. And then, you know, she, she can say all the pleasantries. I won't make stuff up. But you understand, that guy would stand there completely discouraged, totally disarmed, incapable of having any entrance to the emotional makeup that belongs to the person it's supposed to belong to. And when the enemy comes and whispers in your ear and says, why don't you consider this? You just say, I just love the Lord so much. He's such a gracious Savior. He's so good to me. 
He's held me through circumstances and situations where he, I, I didn't deserve to be held, but he was there. When I was faithless, he remained faithful. It's a beautiful reality. The Israelites were in bondage and they had forgotten who they were and they'd given themselves to so many other things. And I love this verse of scripture and such an important verse for us today. And you'll just have to excuse me. Excuse me one second. That's good. You just have to excuse me because anytime I'm just I'm we're all trying to figure all this out. Anytime I feel like I, I, like I just glanced at the clock a moment ago and thought, oh no, how much time do I have? I've taken a lot of time in this, you know, laying time. Anytime I feel like I'm rushed, I'm gonna just stop. Because when we start feeling rushed, we start missing God. Anytime I'm talking in my in my message and I've got you, you know, revved up and, and I tend to rev people up, you know, just sometimes good, sometimes bad, but uh, but I get you revved up, and, and I perceive in any moment that maybe I'm feeding off you, you're feeding off me, and we're no longer listening to God. We're just going to stop that revving altogether for a moment and just listen. What is the Lord doing? We're all growing in this. And the church has been built on so many things that really aren't at the very center and at the heart of Jesus. And so hear this public reading of Scripture in the way that we should hear the public reading of Scripture as I read Exodus chapter 6, verse 9. There's something powerful released in the atmosphere of our lives when we read his word in an attitude of faith. And this is so defining. And it's going to really speak to some people that are hearing the sound of this today. Exodus 6, 9. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. But they refused to listen anymore because they had become too discouraged. The Israelites had become so discouraged, they could no longer hear the word of God. I'm speaking to some people today who've grown discouraged. And as I'm starting to speak to you, uh, if you're not careful, discouragement will take control of your destiny and will rob you of your capacity and your ability to ever hope again because you've known your traditional ways of the past. You've known the patterns of your life. You've known who you are, and you've bought into who you were, and you're not recognizing who God's called you to be, and so you're not hearing the word of the Lord in the moment that actually brings the transformation from where you were to where you're going to go. But I am breaking the spirit of discouragement. I am breaking the spirit of discouragement right now in Jesus' mighty name. That we might hear the word of the living God. The Israelites had become so discouraged they couldn't hear God's word. You know, discouragement is a funny thing uh, when you really look at it. Just looking at the word, it's discourage or the loss of courage or uh, the embrace of a bad attitude or a wrong attitude that becomes your overall perspective in life, giving no room for anything other than this sense of rehearsing limitation and confinement and disappointment or whatever those things are that are contributors. And here's the thing, you can't just say, I'm just going to choose not to be discouraged anymore. That's a real weak approach to addressing discouragement. What you have to do is go to the root of what you've been rehearsing that limitation, that confinement, that disappointment. How many of you have ever had situations in your life that didn't work out the way you hoped they would? Just hold up your hand if you've ever done that. Me too. 
But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm going over. I'm not going under. Those who can be denied, they will be denied. But we will not be denied. What I'm addressing there is the root that is actually contributing to the discouragement. And we go to, we break it all down to our way of thinking and recognize it's the thoughts we've been thinking that have been producing the behaviors that we've been having because we've been rehearsing a disposition that is contributing to the behavior that actually comes from the thoughts that we've been thinking. So we change the way we think when we hear the word of the Lord and we don't allow discouragement to have control of our destiny. This, what I'm saying is if your revelation never gets bigger than your environment, then you will always live a life of confinement. If the Israelites had just remained in slavery in Egypt and they never had a revelation that got bigger than their environment, they would have just been stuck. That's why when they cried out and said, God help us, God wanted to help them, and he sent them what? A prophet. Why? Because a word from God in the midst of your circumstance starts to deal with the root structure of your life and produces something you start to rehearse that's bigger than where you've been. <laughs> Discouragement's more common than most of us realize. Uh, I read an article once that talked about Depression is the common cold of emotional health. Interesting, isn't it? Because like we don't talk about it that much, but a whole lot of people deal with this on many different levels. We need to just be honest about it. Like this is that's one of the biggest problems going on in the church is like we just get up and say, How are you, brother? All good, I got good all the time, all the time, God good got all this cliche nonsense that's just burying and covering the real deal stuff and like the world's fed up with it and I'm fed up with it. Some people have left the church. They've not left the church because they're abandoning the faith. In some instances, they left the church because they're preserving their faith. Because they're tired of this type of nonsense. And I say, let's Break that kind of nonsense and get honest about who we are. Let's win the lost. Let's help people be, be well. But we've been rehearsing these patterns and tendencies that exist in Egypt. And we're giant killers that are stuck in the patterns of the world system. So Moses is trying to get these Israelites to shake it off and not be discouraged. Today... I'm trying to get you to shake it off and not be discouraged. And Moses is about to get so discouraged himself that he gets suicidal. Pray for me. <laughs> you understand? Like we all need Jesus. We all need the reality of his word. Don't confuse just the fact that I happen to be the one with the mic this week, that I've got it all together because I don't. And I appreciate Pastor A.T. bringing two weeks of just powerful revelation and insight and understanding, giving us something awakening in our hearts. But don't you be confused just because he's got a beautiful wife doesn't even mean he's handsome. 
I'm not sure if I'm in the spirit right now or not. Everybody can be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up if you're discouraged. Moses got so discouraged that he came to the point of saying, God, just take my life. I'm that discouraged right now. There were two other great prophets in the Bible that got discouraged to the point of death. Anybody know who they are? First we got Moses, and then we got Elijah. He's the next one who's really known like great powerhouse man of God, Elijah. Came to the point of saying, Lord, I'm just so discouraged. I'm ready to die. And then the third prophet is Jonah, mighty Jonah. His situation fascinates me. So here's Jonah, and and God's called Jonah to go to Nineveh, a place where they were being disobedient, and they needed the grace of God. And Jonah didn't go to Nineveh. Jonah went the wrong way. Jonah disobeyed. What was it that Nineveh needed? Uh, Nineveh, yes, that's right. Nineveh needed, in their disobedience, they needed the grace of God. Jonah disobeyed, and in his disobedience, he needed the grace of God. The very thing they needed, he needed. And for those of us that might say, well, I can't go do what God's called me to do. Look at my own life. I just say, look at Jonah. He was dealing with the same issue that he was supposed to be bringing. And he worked it out, and he dealt with it. And he answered the call of God, and he went. And there was like a total success, revival, amazing outpouring in the capital city of paganism. In one day, they turned to God. How many of you know that is amazing? And that portion of Scripture, like where Jonah, all this happens, and he's like, hip, hip, hooray, Lord, doesn't exist in the Bible. Because sometimes in the greatest place of advancement in your life is followed by the deepest kind of emotion you can possibly imagine. It's just like your emotions are roller coasters, friends. God designed you with emotions. Be glad. But God designed your emotions to be followers. And we endanger our souls when we allow them to lead. Because when you have great advancement, you're going to be on this emotional high, and I'm so glad, I'm so excited, this is amazing, but your body doesn't have the capacity to sustain high contributing emotions all the time. And when your body does give you high contributing emotions, the natural thing your body has to do is replenish. And so your emotions stop contributing after these highs, and they simply start recovering in a state of low. And when you get to that low, you're like, oh no, it's all No, you're just coming off of a high. Don't get all freaked out. It happened with Elijah. It happened with Jonah. It happened with Moses. Great things happened, and then they're in a wall. Just keep being faithful. Just keep seeking God. One foot in front of the other. So let's just look at this, Jonah. This is so so crazy. Jonah chapter 4. I might have to start working out. I'm winded up here. Later. <laughs> Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. But it greatly displeased Jonah. They turned. Nineveh came to know the Lord, turned to God. And it what? It greatly displeased Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and he said, Please, Lord. Was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. 
For I knew that you're gracious and you're compassionate and you're slow to anger and you're abundant in loving kindness and you're one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for death is better for me than life. But before all of this, he was saying, oh God, I'm so thankful that you're so gracious, you're so compassionate, you're so slow to anger, you're abundant in loving kindness, you're one who relents concerning calamity, and I'm so deeply thankful for the gracious nature of God. And isn't that like religious people of our day? To embrace the grace of God and and enjoy the grace of God and then be judgmental and dogmatic about people that need the grace of God. I just say we're all on a journey just trying to find our way. You can afford to be kind to every person you meet because they are all facing a battle you know nothing about. Discouragement isn't logical. Let's read this with Jonah. It's like, what the, what is going on? Discouragement isn't logical. So if you find yourself not understanding why you're feeling discouraged, just remember, you were born for more than living in this world's system. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'll surrender to the purposes and desires and design of God and things within my chaotic soul suddenly start to eliminate and make more sense. Your purpose is wrapped up in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You were born for more. <clears throat> I'm going to ask if the worship team will come. I want to tell you about three, three people. Dion Sanders. Deion Sanders, amazing guy, NFL superstar. And in his uh, peak of his career, he, they, his team, they won the Super Bowl. Comes to the conclusion of winning the Super Bowl. That night, um, he ordered a Lamborghini. Has anyone here ever ordered a Lamborghini before? I mean, amazing, wins the Super Bowl, Lamborghini, and he was in an interview after all this incredible success, and, and they asked him, so why is it you became a Christian? Because he was being very open about his faith. Why is it that you became a Christian? And he told the story. Because when I achieved everything I could of the pinnacle of success, everything I'd ever hoped to achieve, I went to bed after ordering my Lamborghini and winning the Super Bowl, and the hole that existed in my life couldn't be filled by the win of a Super Bowl or a Lamborghini or anything else the world had to offer. It only could be filled by Jesus. He said, I got out of my bed, got down on my knees, and gave my life to Christ in that moment in time. You were born for more. Even if you master the world's system in Egypt, you're still going to be empty. Famous novelist Jack Higgins, at the peak of his writing career, was making... $85 million a year selling books. Meaning like he was just getting the money. He'd written the books, they were selling $85 million a year. I kind of ran some numbers on that. That is a quarter of a million dollars a day. Like that's a lot of money for a year he gets in a day. 
I, mean, I, I started factoring all that, just thinking, that's just crazy. It's, it's specifically $235,000 a day. And he was in an interview, and they asked him, what is it you now know that you wish you had known as a younger man? With no hesitation, he responded, I wish I had known that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. Even if you master the world system, you're still a giant killer in Egypt. Called to kill the giants, not called to master Egypt. <laughs> Boris Becker, after winning his second Wimbledon victory, was asked, what's your greatest challenge in life? To which he responded, to keep from committing suicide, if I'm totally honest. I mean, I'm just saying a lot of Christians are chasing worldly stuff, not realizing if you catch it, you're not going to have what you want. And you give your life to pursuing the things that you don't really want just doesn't make a lot of sense. That's called futility, life under the sun, as the book of Ecclesiastes puts it. I mean, we just really need to bring our hearts to the Lord. And we just say, Lord, would you help us be the giant killers you've called us to be? Forgive us where we've danced with the world system with a love affair in our heart toward the things of the world saying with our lips that we love Jesus, but our hearts are more drawn to the things of the world. And only you can deliver us from us, and that's why Jesus came and said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So we want to hear, Lord, what you have to say. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Just take, we're going to take a few moments. We're just starting to do this for a season of time. You've heard some preaching, you've heard some stories, you've heard some verses. I want to just ask you not to hear the speaker when you show up to this place. Whoever is speaking, it's not about hearing a speaker, it's about encountering the Savior. First John chapter 2, you don't need a man to teach you, the anointing will teach you. What that means is even when you're hearing a person teach, you should be listening to God. So can we just take a few moments, it won't be too long, but just quietly, don't, just right where you are, just stay where you are and listen. What is it that the Lord is desiring for you to really walk away with today? And, and specifically, what is he asking you to do with what he's spoken to your heart this morning? I'll give you just a couple of minutes in quiet.
Let's all stand together. I just say you can create this atmosphere in your life every single morning, every single day that you live. Wake up in the morning, turn on some worship, and just begin listening to the Lord. It just becomes a lifestyle. It changes the way you walk through your day. I know you may chuckle, but I'm being serious. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, it's a great opportunity to practice dying to yourself. And however angry you get, it's clear communication of just how dead you're not. So Lord, teach us. In the most basic, practical ways, driving, walking, talking, working, around people, Helping us to see how impatient we can be, how irritable we can be, how frustrating and frustrated we can become so quickly, so easily. And you want to address those deeper issues that exist within us and take us out of the Egyptian way of thinking into a kingdom-minded perspective that causes us to rise up and become the giant killers you've called us to be in the name of Jesus. I just want to say if you're online with us and you have the capacity to type into the field on Facebook or some avenue that you're watching, then uh, I would encourage you, if the Lord's speaking something to you, write that on there so that we can just pray in that regard. If you're, if you're online and you say, I, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ, let us know that. Like, we're not trying to produce a product. <laughs> we really do care about souls and people. If you're watching it on TV, then send us an email so we can follow up for those of you in the room would you just bring your heart before the Lord in a way that just honors him and lifts up the name of Jesus and embraces the cross of Jesus Christ you don't get to spend eternity in heaven with God if you don't accept Jesus Christ let's make sure we all understand that there's heaven there's hell the Bible is real there's no question about what we're saying here my question to you is are you serving the Lord Jesus Christ have you given your heart to him to truly follow him? And so, Lord, I pray you just help us to respond to you in a way that would truly awaken something of the pursuit of God within us. In Jesus' mighty name, just, just if you're here, you say, I, I'm not a Christian. Just slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. I'm not a Christian. I, I want to give my life to Christ. Today. I want to respond to him and devote myself to the cross of Jesus Christ. Anybody in this place? Father, you know our hearts, every single one of us. I pray you draw us into a deeper place of our pursuit with you. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. If discouragement is being broken off of your life today, lift both your hands. We're just breaking discouragement right now. Father, we just enter into a place of freedom where we will no longer allow the discouragement of the world system to hold us captive. Our, re our revelation today has gotten bigger than our environment. We will break out of confinement into a place of understanding that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We'll begin to strike at the root of these issues of our lives as we rehearse the truth of your word and allow your word to take shape in who you've called us to be. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen. Amen and amen. Let, let's take what the Lord's stirring in our hearts. And, and let's give it back to him in worship just for a few moments and and I want to um, during this time we invite you if we can pray with you about anything at all
let us do that. I want to, once a month we introduce our elders and I want to introduce our elders. We've also, what you may not understand is we have elders, once elders come to a place and they say we're, we're no longer serving in that capacity, uh, feel the Lord's grace is lifting for that, then we call those elders mothers and fathers of the house. And I want to acknowledge and recognize the mothers and the fathers of the house, Lee and Peggy Cody who are online with us. Charlie and Dee Dee Glaze, I just say we love and appreciate you all, your faithfulness to serve in this, in this house. And Charlie and Dee Dee are going to be assisting, and so if you make your way back where we're going to begin to pray, Jason and Heather Shiflett, uh, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Dave and Lauren Fulford, Wade and Jennifer Moore just as we worship if you say I want somebody to pray in agreement with me this discouragement be broken or I made a decision to serve the Lord today I want to tell somebody it's important that we confess him before men and this is a great opportunity for you to do that we won't take long with this but I'm not going to apologize for taking time to worship the king of all kings who's risen from the grave let's give him our undivided affection and our attention for a few moments before we conclude